Welcome to the Marriage Professors Podcast. You are here with Dr. Cassandra Bolar. I am so excited that you are joining me. This is our very first podcast. And just to give you a little bit of background to our approach here, we definitely provide evidence-based information that is grounded in research. I am so fortunate to get an opportunity to teach on this each and every day almost (laughs) at the university level. And one of my students asked me, she said, well, what do you do for people who don't get this exposure to information that fosters a healthy relationship or marriage? And I said, hmm, we need to get that to them. And so that's what this podcast is all about. Also, too, so the first um, piece of our approach, it is a three-pronged approach. So we definitely will include the evidence-based information. And then secondly, we will include biblical principles that are helpful and effective for fostering a healthy relationship in marriage. And lastly, I don't want it just to be some abstract information um, that we can get lost in, but really how can we um, put this work into actionable, practical steps? And that's the last piece to this three-pronged approach. And, you know, um, I'm really excited for us to go ahead and get started with today's episode, which is focusing on is love blind? And what does it truly take to achieve lifelong love in marriage? And I don't know if you have heard of the recent Netflix show that really sparked um, my desire to want to do this podcast, and it's called Love is Blind. And so for today's podcast, I want to just give you an overview of everything that we'll discuss today. Also, too, if you have any questions that you want to go any further, you can always send me an email at upliftingrelationships um, at gmail.com. But, um, you know, I I want to get started with this Netflix show. So just as an overview for today's podcast, I'm going to give a brief overview of the Netflix show. And then I'm going to go into the science and looking at the different types of romantic love and what is essential for building lifelong love in marriage. And we'll even break it down on a chemical level. And then lastly, we'll double back to the Netflix show because some of those themes are very dominant in society on our perspective on love and romantic love in marriage. And so we'll talk first of all, what is encouraging about the show? What did they get right? And what did they get absolutely wrong? (laughs) And then lastly, we'll talk about what really works in building lifelong love. So what What's the pragmatics behind it? What's the practical steps and actionable steps that people can take to really build lifelong love and marriage? And so let's go ahead and get started as an overview. If you've been under a rock or you're not really big into TV, you may not know the show, but it's gained a lot of popularity. And the show is called Love is Blind. And the premise behind it is that people go out on blind date, on a blind date, and it's 
and it's actually they're all housed together, um, the males um, on one side and then the females on the other side. And they go on these blind dates in pods. And they during the blind date, they actually do not get an opportunity to see each other. They can only hear each other's voice. And the whole premise behind this is because they believe that, you know, you shouldn't be um, distracted by the physical and really, you know, love is blind. Creating that strong connection with someone doesn't require seeing what they look like. And so that's the whole premise behind the show. And they have five days <laughs> to do this blind dating. And it, and they go through a series of, of individuals and people who they really kind of hit it off with. They will go on multiple dates with that person within that week's time. And then after that week's time, they actually propose to the person who is their who is their top choice and then they have one month to plan and a wedding and get married. So that is the whole premise behind the show. Now, before we kind of dig deeply into examining the show, some of the themes behind them, what's true, what's not true, I want to break down romantic love and looking at it chemically and what is going on in our bodies physically when we are in love. Okay, so some of the research that I'm about to reference is from Dr. Helen Fisher at Rutgers um, University. And she has broken down romantic love into three components. One, lust. Now, now, now lust is, is important, guys, because it serves an evolutionary function, okay? So love is important. I mean, lust is important. Attraction and attachment. So those are the three components of love um, that she breaks down when it comes to romantic love, okay? Now, the chemicals involved in lust, testosterone, estrogen, you know, um, whenever we are excited sexually, of course, that's what's being released. And, and, And testosterone, regardless of your gender, it increases your libido. And and oftentimes, too, even what we see um, chemically, oftentimes women are are interested more so in sex when they are ovulating. Um, we do see that some in research, even more likely to wear the color red, which has been seen to be a very alluring color. So, you know, this works for us. This is important. This works for us on an evolutionary level. We need to have this, right? <laughs> very important, very important. And 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 also too, so attraction, it is distinct. from lust um, because it also incorporates the reward system, okay? And 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 oftentimes and that reward system comes, you know, you spend more time with them then your your it's almost like a reward system. Your body gets excited, you know, you, you get this excitement, adrenaline, all of that gets pumping and dopamine also because it's a novel experience being with this person, you know, to whom you are attracted to. So attraction is very important as well. And, um, and, and these chemicals, they make us feel giddy, energetic, euphoric. Um, it also is related to a decreased appetite and not being able to sleep as well. So sometimes people equate being in love when they have these giddy feelings, they, they can't focus on anything but that person. And, you know, 
then they, they, they'll oftentimes say, I'm in love. Yes. And so, and so, so because when we are attracted, highly attracted to someone, it reduces, we see a reduction in serotonin. And so that reduction in serotonin, um, it, it causes our appetites to be reduced and it positively impacts our mood. But, okay, so the, the flip side to this episode is really focusing on what fosters lifelong love and is not necessarily the lust or the attraction, it's attachment. And the reason why it is attachment, so what research has shown multiple, multiple studies that, has, that have examined couples who've made it to their 50th uh, anniversary, they've achieved that lifelong love and they still like one another. <laughs> What they report is they usually report a strong sense of attachment and a strong emotional bond, okay? And there are some different chemicals that are involved in this strong sense of attachment with one another. And so it's not just the, it's not the testosterone, the need to want to, you know, you know, have sex with the person, but it's actually uh, oxytocin. We see high levels of oxytocin and that is the bonding chemical. Okay, and interestingly, so the chemicals involved in lust and attraction, what they usually do is they usually blind us. And how you may say, well, how how is that? You know, what occurs on a on a biological level um, is that when we are highly attracted and lustful toward an individual, it actually shuts off the part of our brain that's in control of rational thought. And the part of our brain that is in control of rational thought it is the prefrontal cortex, <laughs> and so. Is love blind? Maybe uh, lust and infatuation blinds us. But really, when we're thinking about love, um, when it comes to the lifelong love, it's really a deep inner knowing and connection and attachment. And so that means it's a deep seeing of that person. So maybe love is not blind. And so the, when we're when we're thinking about lifelong love, it's that deep seeing and knowing of the individual, okay? And interestingly, so also too, and and for me, uh, you know, when people are married and they and they and they have sex, oxytocin is also released, which is the bonding chemical. And so we are bonding ourselves to our spouse um, when we have sex, okay? And so and. So so that's just an overview of the three components of lifelong love as conceptualized um, by um, Dr. Helen Fisher uh, at Rutgers University. Okay, so I just wanted to kind of give that as a backdrop as we kind of pull apart this Netflix show and then leave you with, okay, well, what? can I do to really build that strong emotional bond with my partner, with my spouse? Okay, so just as an overview, you know, what was really encouraging, I think, about the Netflix show was that for me, 
if you don't know me by now, you know that I am a huge advocate for healthy marriages in the community. It really, it just serves as, you know, such a a healthy environment for raising our kiddos and really, um, you know, it serves as a the social fabric of the community, okay? So it, it, it plays a, a, an essential role in the community and in child development. I won't go, that's a whole nother podcast show <laughs> within itself, okay? But one thing that I thought was really encouraging about the show was that people seem to be genuinely interested in marriage, you know, and that almost counters, you know, you know, this sense of, this perspective that there's a sense of apathy toward marriage currently in our culture. And so it was just really encouraging to see people who are genuinely interested in marriage so much so that they were willing to undergo this experiment of dating someone completely blindly for a week and seeing if it would end in marriage. So that is very extreme, but they were willing to undergo those extreme measures. So what did they get right? What did they get right? So the fact that they were removing the focus from superficial characteristics and really focusing on how can we engender uh, a strong emotional bond between two individuals, that's definitely in alignment with creating a strong sense of attachment and a bond with 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 an individual. Because as I was saying before, you know, lasting marriages are built on strong emotional bonding and a strong sense of attachment, deep knowing, friendship. That is the crux of lifelong love. Now, what did they get wrong? (laughs) So essentially, when we're really thinking about what's going to build lifelong love in marriage, love should never be blind. Okay. Um, and and so I'll I'll dig a little bit more deeply into that, especially when we're thinking about, you know, what are the indicators of a healthy marriage, lifelong love, and the importance of shared values and things of that nature. We'll go into that a little bit more deeply in just a moment. And then also, too, for the participants who were in the Netflix show, they oftentimes were equating a feeling to love. And what they were trying to actually get set up or they were they were trying to set up a commitment for lifelong love. But oftentimes they were saying um, there's this feeling and, you know, things are up and down and I'm just looking for this, you know, feeling. And really what they were looking for was a feeling of infatuation. And what we do know from the research is that infatuation lasts for about a year and a half to two years. So what are married couples going to do when (laughs) infatuation may wear off? There is something that is stronger and deeper that we can build beyond the feelings of infatuation, okay? And that's a whole nother podcast, but I'm so excited. This is just episode one, and we'll definitely dig more deeply into some of these other concepts, okay? Now, um, and then, you know, I always say that it has to be more than just that quiver in your liver, right? (laughs) 
So, you know, and, and, and the fact that infatuation, it actually does blind you. And we want to walk into marriage with our eyes as open as possible and seeing as clearly as possible because in marriage, you're building a life partnership. You definitely don't want to do that blindly or just do it on a feeling of infatuation or even just merely attraction. Now, okay, now, okay. I am not going to negate the importance of attraction. And what we do see is that that is an important element, but it's not the crux of it all, okay? Attraction is important. We do see that couples who are highly satisfied, they do report being attracted to one another. So I'm not saying go out there <laughs> and then just marry anyone, you know, someone who you're not even attracted to. That That's not not the route of action that I'm saying, but I'm just saying that that is not the crux or the weight of what is going to produce lifelong love in your marriage, okay? Now, also too, um, what they were also indicating, some of the participants, they said, you know, oh my goodness, things seem to be going up and down in our relationship. It's just not steady. Well, what we do see is that marriages go through various different seasons. And sometimes there can be this sense of an up and down and being able to, you know, embrace those changes and embrace those transitions in a way that is healthy. Because at the end of the day, your marriage is always going to be either progressing or regressing. It never stays static, okay? But even in those times where it may be taking a little dip with concerted action, with effort, you can create that upswing in your relationship and in your marriage. Now, here's the truth. <laughs> Love itself is not enough to maintain a marriage. The, you know, you all, we all know of maybe even some people who have gotten a divorce and they said, you know, I still love them. But I just can't live with them, right? And so love itself, romantic love, even, you know, infatuation, attraction, even um, attachment is not enough in itself to maintain a marriage and a relationship. And so there are certain skills involved in creating a healthy marriage. I love how Dr. Eli Finkel, he is at Northwestern University. He talks a lot about the suffocation model of marriage. So meaning today that he kind of compares the needs of marriage today to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And just as a brief overview, Maslow's hierarchy of needs was that, you know, we all have basic needs for, you know, um, for living like shelter, food, clothing. And until those basic needs are met, we can't meet those higher level needs. And so Dr. E such as self-actualization needs, you know, some higher level self-esteem needs and things of that nature. And so, you know, he compares his work or, or looking at marriage to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and saying that in today's age, people are not just looking to marriage to have a place to live, um, to have food, to have shelter. You know, now we 
what we are seeing is that marriage, the marriages of today have the highest expectations than they've ever had any, any, in any time in history, meaning that we are expecting more of our marital partner today than we ever had before. And those needs or those expectations. Um, so we have these self-actualization needs. We want our partners to help us become the best versions of ourselves and help us achieve our goals and kind of be our life coach, <laughs> essentially. And and when couples are able, able to achieve that, um, then they typically have a very satisfying marriage. Um, but But sometimes couples are suffocated by those expectations such that to get to the mountain, to climb to the mountain of of experiencing that highly satisfying marriage where they fulfill those self-actualization goals, they don't necessarily have the skill set to do it. And if they do have the skill set to do it, they don't oftentimes give the time that's needed. Okay. And so, and, 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 and so what, what he's just saying is that those expectations can kind of suffocate the life of the marriage, okay? I may talk about that in another episode as well. And, and so also, too, just kind of going on, on the truth of the matter of what it takes to have lifelong love, lasting love in marriage, it requires that continual pursuit of one another. And literally not getting lazy with one another. And I love how Gary Thomas, he gives this example of building a strong, lifelong love um, with your spouse is not like building a tree. And a lot of us look at having a healthy marriage, like building a tree, you know, we'll get everything set up. We have this strong attachment, this strong attraction to one another. It's like building a tree. We, we dig the hole, we put the tree in the ground. We, and then we believe the sun will shine and the water will, will, will pour. And that's it. That's all the work we need to do. We set it up. Here it goes. But really when you do that, then that, and essentially you're just looking for things to work out and not actively working on your marriage, then your marriage will regress. The satisfaction of your marriage will regress. And I love how he says that building lifelong love is like building a house. Oh my gosh. And he says, you have to do it brick by brick by brick every single day, putting forth that continual effort to pursue one another. And I love that. Okay, so now what's the truth as well when it comes to building lifelong love? It's also important to have some similarities and and, and, and where, where similarities are very important is with our core values. Also too, you know, this whole experiment was really definitely sliding into a very important decision, which is marriage. I always say after choosing the Lord as your personal saver, your second most important decision in life is choosing who you're going to marry. And so in the Netflix show that, I mean, without, within a week's time, they were deciding if they wanted to spend the rest of their lives together. And really that was very, that was 
kind of a slippery slope, you know, and and what we see in the research. Um, so Scott Stanley, he has this model called the slide versus decide uh, model. And for people who um, slide into major um, milestone outcomes in their relationship, they tend to have a, a lower sense of satisfaction and stability. So, okay, what does that mean? Break it down for me. So that means such that, you know, they they may say, well, we've been going together or we've been dating for this long. We might as well get engaged. And so it wasn't very decisive. They didn't really have a plan. It was just like, oh, well, we've been together all this time. We might as well, you know, get engaged. Or they may find themselves, they weren't planning on becoming parents, but they just slide into becoming parents. And they maybe didn't even make a decision to spend their lives together with each other. And so that's very much so sliding into parents. Parenthood. And so, um, and then sometimes from there, they may say, well, we have um, all the, you know, beautiful children together, we might as well get married. And so that is sliding into a major uh, milestone outcome in the relationship. And but what we see is that when you're very decisive, and you plan beforehand, um, you know, oh, yes, let's get engaged. I see you as being a very important part of my future. I see us going through the various seasons of life well together. That's very decisive. And and we see better um, outcomes in the relationship when it's very decisive, a very decisive route is taken instead of kind of that slippery slope. It was fun and we're just skiing on down and slipping into those um, important relationship decisions. And, you know, the truth of it as well, one of the participants, he said that, you know, it seems like things are up and down with us. The reality is that feelings will fluctuate. And a lot of the participants, they were basing whether or not they wanted to get married on how they felt. And the landscape of your feelings, they are ever fluctuating. And so they um, they may not always be the best indication of, is this a good person to build a lifelong partnership with? And so it has to be, I always say, you know, the decision to get married always has to be deeper than that quiver in your liver. <laughs> and then, so just as, just as a couple of, la- uh, of last notes here, when we're thinking about marriage and lifelong love and marriage, it requires a clear vision and not blindness. You don't want to just say, oh, well, we're married and that's it. And you don't have a plan and you don't have a clear vision of the life that you want to build with this person or you don't have any clarity on whether or not this person would you believe that this person would be essential in, in, in being a part of your life in the various different seasons of life. You know, that requires vision, not blindness. <laughs> And so what do you need to be clear on? What do you really need to have an inner seeing and knowing of? First, do you have compatible life purposes? Two, what is the long-term vision of the marriage? Three, do you see yourself growing with this person as the seasons change? And at the end of the day, 
Marriage definitely is not a self-centered, self-actualization pursuit. It is the selfless giving and service to the other to assist them in becoming the best version of themselves due to their connection with you. If anything, it's due to their attachment and their bond with you. They come out becoming, they come out a little bit better. (laughs) And so just as a take-home message. You know, the element when thinking about is love blind, the element of love that isn't very long lasting, that can actually be blind. So infatuation, it can actually blind you. And the chemicals involved in lust and attraction, they actually shut off (laughs) the part of the brain involved in rational thought, which is the prefrontal cortex. And an interesting thing about the prefrontal cortex is that it doesn't fully mature until we're about age 25 years years old. Also too, but this is the very, very encouraging piece is that the element of love that is present in lifelong love is attachment and it's not blind at all. It's that deep sense of knowing and seeing who that person is. It's a strong sense of attachment and a, and a bond to that person. And you know what helps to maintain that bond to your spouse? Like even just chemically? Of course, it's having sex that that releases uh, oxytocin in us. It's the bonding chemical. Sometimes people even call it the the cuddle chemical. Oxytocin is even uh, released um, during birth. Um, It's also released when a mother nurses her child. But there are things that we can do in our relationship that can actually foster that bond in our marriage. You know how people say date night is important? It is because, you know, dates actually bond us to our partner. And I tell you what are the most powerful dates is when we engage in a novel activity with our spouse, what happens is it releases dopamine. And of course, that's the feel-good chemical. And then we start to associate those feel-good feelings with our partner, with our spouse. And so, you know, with that, you know, we can actively create the experiences, we can actively make the choices, and we can actively engage in the actions that would support that emotional bond. And so this week, you know, what is one thing that you can do to support that emotional bonding with your spouse? Something very important to think about. And it's just one thing that you could do if you say, well, um, maybe we could go ice skating or we could go ballroom dancing, you know, something new that you haven't done before. The novelty of it is what keeps it fresh and what helps to create that bond. And so that's what. And so I am so excited that you joined me for the very first episode of Um, the marriage professor. I hope that this time was educational and entertaining, and I hope that you leave this time with something tangible that you can apply to your marriage or your relationship. And also too, I want to let you know that on 
the 23rd of March, I am doing the Marriage Goals Challenge. And if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you can definitely follow me at dr underscore Cassandra, and you can get some more information there. But I am here to serve you, especially during this time um, of the COVID-19. I originally recorded this podcast way before um, all of that transpired, but I'm actually at the editing process after it had all occurred. And, And beyond anything, I'm here to serve you and just wanting to provide resources to help you Um, navigate this season and navigate your relationships in the healthiest way possible. And so I'm going to sign off for now, but I look forward to um, having you join me for the next conversation. Take care. Bye-bye.